The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Gen Con and Gen Cant of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be a part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who's surely not a con, but also definitely is not a can't. Josh, how are you doing? Thanks for uh, questioning if I was a con. That delay. <laughs> well, who is surely not a con? <laughs> well, Josh, you would never know. That's how good of a con man I would be. I don't know that I would. I don't know that you'd be a great con man, Josh. If I'm totally honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I would be a terrible con man. I'm too empathetic. I would feel bad immediately. <laughs> Speaking of, I was having that conversation with a coworker today about. You know, we often get into discussions about what we're going to get for lunch on days that we order lunch as an office. And I very rarely want to give feedback or suggestions about what we should get. Hmm. And my reasoning for that is I'm very flexible with food. I'm happy to eat anything. But I have coworkers who maybe are a little more picky. And I always feel really bad if I pick the place to eat and someone's food is a dud. I feel like it's my fault. And today was the perfect example of that in that. We ordered food, and the food said it was going to be delivered at 11.58, which was perfect because multiple of us had 12.30 meetings we had to be at. The food didn't show up until about, oh, 12.38 or so. <laughs> so the food was 40 minutes late of when it was supposed to be delivered, according to the estimate we were given. And then one of the people was in meetings back to back to back, so they didn't even get to eat their lunch until almost 4 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. And I felt fully responsible for that and they told yeah. me it wasn't my fault but i'm the one who picked the place you know so yeah. i felt responsible for it clearly it was your fault i know that's what i'm saying <laughs> clearly it was my fault yeah so yes Should anyway use your psychic powers for food ordering as well not just for a regular <laughs> life that is very true that is very true man psychic powers would be pretty great though wouldn't they uh, I don't know. They probably have their ups and downs. They probably do. <laughs> we always just think of the, the I don't good. know that I would want to know what other people are thinking. That is, that is also <laughs> very fair. That is also very fair. Hey, dear listener, just so you know, uh, we are switching some stuff up with how we record the show. Ideally, this will lead to better audio for all of you and that we will see more like a professional podcast. Part of it, though, is out of necessity because Google's getting rid of Google Hangouts. So that really isn't very helpful for us. So we have a couple different options we're trying. So audio quality may fluctuate over the next couple weeks as we finalize exactly how we're doing this. But hopefully in the end, it will result in better audio quality for all of you listeners. To be on topic though, a little bit, Josh, Gen Con's coming up, really starting the day this releases. Yeah. Gen can't. Also going on at the same time, uh-huh. 
if you i mean i feel like the the easy option is going to gen con right that's what people want to do but do you think there's an argument to be made that gen can't might be the better experience no (laughs) okay (laughs) um i mean gen can't offers there's nothing wrong with gen can't uh they offer um uh like uh, ways to find out if your local game stores are doing events. Mm-hmm. They offer giveaways, um, but ultimately, it you're not getting that con experience. You you're kind of getting the experience you could get normally, which is play games at home or at a local store. Um, they're just bringing more awareness to it, which is great. But I mean, to be able to go to Gen Con is like it's the con. Really, it's becoming like if it isn't already the con, this is like the U.S. one. This is the one right. where you go to get games that are just coming out. This is the one where people used to line up like crazy. That it sounds like they they fixed that this year, um, just to be the first to get a copy of a game. Things like that. Like this is the big one. Uh, when I was considering maybe trying to go to next year instead of Pax Unplugged. So we'll see. But yeah, Gen Cant is nice for us canters. It just seems like, you know, you get to sit at home, you get to hang out, you don't have to worry about crowds or lines, you can play whatever games you have when you want to, kind of get to set your own schedule, you don't have to go by the schedule of when things are being done at the con. I feel like there's some advantages, potentially, it doesn't, it costs way less. Yeah, but you can do that every day. Yeah. You can Gen Cant <laughs> every day. <laughs> but then you're Gen Canting with people oh uh, right right right. yes but okay so that's pretend sure but my like for me my my local fogs has um free game demos once a month where they play up to six games every like every demo and they also give away the demo copies so that's cool so maybe i'm a little spoiled awesome well hey Gen Con is definitely going to be a big topic of our show this week, so we'll go ahead and get through all this other stuff so we can talk even more about the awesome games or experiences we would choose to have should we be going to Gen Con. But first, a little housekeeping. Thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff that is posted over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of PSVG, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our podcast with someone else who you think may enjoy it as well. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. And if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So don't with the housekeeping, Josh. It is a news week on the show. So what has been some of the biggest news in the tabletop world? Well, it it is arguably a slow week uh, because of what is about to be forced upon us. So um, the first, I guess, well, the first news is, I would argue, pretty big news. Uh, via DiceTowerNews.com. Uh, Ticket to Ride is releasing a 15th anniversary edition coming this summer. So uh, that's going to be pretty soon because uh, we're in the summer. Yeah, I so. think they said August 9th. 
August 9th. Yeah, you're absolutely right. August 9th. So it's not big. It's not a big thing like the 10th anniversary edition, um, which is probably good for people's pockets. Uh, uh, I believe what is new is uh, a new exclusive set of clear plastic trains, a four-page retrospective booklet featuring the history and creation of the game, and a box sleeve. <laughs> it's a special box sleeve, but uh, that that leads me to believe that the box sleeve just shows 15th anniversary and underneath the sleeve is just a regular Ticket to Ride board like box, which would be pretty funny because uh, you take the sleeve off and it just looks like regular Ticket to Ride. ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are always fun. Uh, but that's cool. Like uh, for anyone who hasn't jumped on Ticket to Ride yet, uh, I think this is a. I mean, this is a no-brainer. If it's a game you're interested in, you can get the new version of the game. If you don't want to jump on that uh, big 10th anniversary edition box, uh, what about you? Is this something that you are interested in getting, or are you good with what you have? I think overall, I'm pretty good with what I have. I never did get that big 10th anniversary, which I had considered getting. And I just never got it, never bit the bullet on it because the price was pretty steep, but it did look pretty nice. And if I needed to potentially replace my ticket to ride due to wear and tear or something, this might be a, an option I would go with. But I don't think I would go out and just replace my current version with this version just because it's now, you know, available. Though the trains sound kind of cool. I like the idea of some clear plastic trains. That's kind of neat, right? Yeah, I think so. we'll see i'm curious if it's gonna make it harder or easier to identify trains yeah and they kind of on the picture of the box have a little picture of what the trains look like in the bottom right hand corner and i think it'll be easier i think think they're uh, translucent yeah, I'm thinking translucent. Oh man, that was good. That was Thank that, you. that was a good one. I got to give you props for that for sure. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, all right. Next news uh, is well, I mean, we we talked about this a while back when uh, Funko um, bought a gaming company, and now they're officially entering the board game world with well, Funko Pop strategy game, Funko Verse strategy game. So. Uh, coincidentally, today on Geek and Sundry's YouTube channel, Game the Game dropped the How to Play DC uh, version of Funkoverse strategy game, along with the expansion, which they have a weird name for them. Um, oh, shoot. I can't remember what they They have an odd name, like Funko expansion or something like that doesn't sound right. Uh, it's designed by Prospero Hall, so that's the, the people who made uh, Villainous. And uh, Jaws, which is a very good game, which we talked about uh, via Dice Tower News again. Uh, the company, known for the collecting uh, pop figures, is publishing a line of board games using their brand aesthetic. Uh, it's a line of standalone games sold in two and four character sets that you can mix and match. Uh, each set will include exclusive Funko Pop figures along with the necess- uh, necessary board, which is double sided. Uh, Cards, tokens, and dice uh, for the included scenarios. Uh, The announced sets were Batman, Harry Potter, The Golden Girls, and Rick and Morty. Uh, The mix and match elements mean you can enter a scenario with Harley Quinn versus Blanche versus Morty versus he who shall not be named. Uh, Yeah, 
So it's hitting retailers in October, but it will be available to demo and purchase at Gen Con. So how do they make a Golden Girls version of this game and it's uh-huh. only two-player? I believe the two-player ones are the expansion. But it's the ex- but the expansion to what? To the four-player version. So you have to, in order to play the two-player, I'd have to buy, for example, the DC four-pack one and then get the Golden Girls two-pack? I, I think so. So I watched a little bit of that game, the game today, and mm-hmm. they showed um, the four-pack box of is the bait was the base game for the dc one and then there was a two-pack expansion box uh so i don't know if you can play the two-player box separately because i don't know yeah i'm just looking at their the funkoverse strategy game website funko.com slash funkoverse if you would um and they definitely have the like it says dc 104 pack and then DC 101 two pack, and the D- and the two pack definitely comes with a player board and character cards and dice and all the stuff. So it almost looks like potentially it's playable standalone, unless none of that stuff actually comes in the box, which would be pretty deceptive of these pictures. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a standalone expansion. It does say men max two to four players, right? And because the Rick and Morty one also is only two players. That's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I know like the base Batman comes with Batman, um, Joker, Catwoman, Harley Quinn. Uh, I think Harley Quinn and either Harley Quinn and Robin or Batgirl and Robin come together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, uh, and I could be also, or it could be Catwoman and Robin. They're not very clear in the pictures. Uh yeah. So I I don't know. I'll tell you what. Um. Not this. If you're a collector of Funko Pop, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but none of this looks appealing to me. Really, uh, the, the board looks very boring. Um, from what I saw, I watched a little bit of the game, the game, just to see, and uh, the the moves and turns and the game variants looked very boring and the same. And and I see zero appeal to the Golden Girls one. <laughs> like you're fighting each other as Golden Girls, I, I don't get it. Uh, but I could be, you know, I could be hundred percent wrong. This could be something that I see some gameplay at Gen Con and and really want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but even being a huge Batman fan, I, I don't. I don't even really want the Batman thing, uh, even just for the pops, because they're tiny little pops. They're not even like full-on Funko Pops. Right. They are very small. That's very true. I think the Golden Girl one I find to be interesting, mostly because this Golden Girls, my partner's a big fan of Golden Girls, actually. And watching the number of episodes of Golden Girls I've watched as a result, it's actually a pretty funny show. I grew uh, up on Golden Girls. I love the Golden Girls show. So why aren't you interested in the game, then? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about that show, which I think is hilarious, uh, still makes me want to play a board game of version of that because I am not those characters. I cannot be funny like those characters. <laughs> but you could get some Golden Girl Funko Pops. That's pretty cool. Sure. I, I wish you all the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm obviously always interested in Harry Potter stuff, so I will definitely 
I'm interested in it. I don't know, obviously, that I'm going to get it. It's coming out at a time when there's a lot of things coming out, especially in the video game realm. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, they are jumping into this and actually creating unique pops that people can get. And depending on how big the collector market for that is, I I feel like these could do potentially really well, right? Yeah, they're going to do well, I think, regardless if they're good games or not, because the collectors will be buying them. And kids. Um, right. It's a no-brainer for them as a business decision. Smart. Mm-hmm. Like, they see the board game industry is blowing up. Um, so, I mean, good for them. I don't, I don't have anything against that. It's just um, they get to win me over at this point because I didn't know what to expect when they announced it. And, and because it's Funko, I just kind of assumed it would be bigger than it is maybe. Right. Or different. Yeah, I'll be interested. Definitely going to keep an eye on this because I'm very interested interested to see how it all shakes out. And if we get more than just these original four-ish variants, if we get more than that. so Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, last board gaming news. I'm, and you tell me if I get this last name right. Corey uh, Kanezka? Yeah, that works, I think. Corey Kanezka <laughs> is what I usually say, but I guess I don't officially Kanexka. know. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Corey Kanezka. Uh, so he did a look back on his career. Uh, as Kyle says, it is impressive, and I will uh, concur. Uh, he started working at Fantasy Flight Games 14 years ago, and uh, I'm just going to go through his games. Some I won't. I probably won't name all of them, but uh, you can if you want to comment while or after. Uh, please interrupt or wait, <laughs> and we'll do that. Uh, so, But I, I do want to point out, before I go through this list, 14 years uh, is a long time, mm-hmm. but <laughs> there, the amount of games uh, in this guy's catalog right. is like 100 years worth of quality games. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the length of time you can play his games – Far exceed the 14 years he's worked at Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Um, and if I skip over anything that you think is noteworthy, because I don't recognize it, you can tell me. Um, but starting off, uh, his first game was the World of Warcraft, the board game, which is like a holy grail board game right now because it's hard to find. It is, yeah. Uh, so that was in 2005. Um, he did Twilight Imperium, Shattered Empire in 2006. Uh Starcraft, the board game, another Holy Grail board game. World of Warcraft, the adventure game, another Holy Grail board game. Um, Battlestar Galactica, the board game, uh, still one of the most expensive and hardest to find board games. And highest rated board, one of the highest yeah, rated board games. Uh, Middle Earth Quest, which I'm not familiar with, but I mean Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Space Hulk, Death Angel which is very popular. Rune Wars, which is incredibly popular, following up with Mansions of Madness, First Edition, and then Rune Age, uh, Descent, Journeys into the Dark, Second Edition, uh, Eldritch Horror, Star Wars Imperial Assault, Star Wars Rebellion, Star Wars Destiny, Twilight Imperium, Fourth Edition, and then we hit like Discover Lands Unknown, and then Star Wars Outer Rim, I mean, and Outer Rim has been uh, getting great reviews for people who aren't mad that it's a Firefly uh, <laughs> uh, 
inspiration. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, like all, and I have discovered Lands Unknown. We haven't played it yet, but like I've like I've heard good and bad about it. Um, his list. If you just stuck with Star Wars, his mm-hmm. list is impressive. Yeah. Uh, the amount of games that he has has worked on is astounding. Um, so to say that that was all done in 14 years is shocking and incredible. And he's still pumping out great games in this past year. Yeah. I, I always think that when we talk about the great designers and board games, his name is often left out. And I don't know if that's because he's not really in the public eye very much. And that might be by his choice. I don't know if it's because he works at fantasy flight. So he's not allowed to talk about what he's doing. I don't, I don't know, but you know, he's not the other famed or or designers that we see all the time. Your Eric Lang, your Rob Daviaus, who are out and about and talking and, and on things that you see all the time. So I think as a result, Corey really gets left out of the conversations of current great board game designers. But yeah. when you look at the games he's designed, it's impossible to ignore the quality level he very consistently brings to the table. Yeah. Uh, and... I know his name from you talking about him, but like now I know his name (laughs) and I think we still seek out designers, developers, all these people uh, for their games specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think he should be left off of that list because I think this is one of those people where, I may have not necessarily played one of his games. I have. I played Destiny. Um, but I don't know that that, that stands to uh, like equal. It stands foot to foot with his other games. Right. Um, but I think there's some people that you don't need to have played their games to uh, look at or or be encouraged to jump into a game with their name on it because you know like their pedigree, you know. That this person and, and you know this person had to, not had to, but wrote something on Fantasy Flight's website as a retrospective that maybe was the first time people heard of him because they were like perusing Star Wars Destiny cards and they found this article link on the bottom. I just took a quick look at his board game geek profile. He has seven games that he is listed as designer on in the top 100. <laughs> That's insane. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, Star Wars Rebellion, Twilight Imperium, Star Wars Imperial Assault, Eldritch Horror, Battlestar Galactica, Forbidden Stars, Descent Journeys into Darkness. Yeah, those are the ones. And then even after that is Rune Wars at 185 and Mansion yeah. of Madness at 302. And that so, only dropped because of the digital edition. It, right. it would have been way higher. <laughs> yeah, so I just... Yeah, I don't know what it is. He he seems to definitely he posts on Twitter a little bit. He isn't super active there, but he posts on occasion. But when you look at Board Game Geek for interviews and stuff with him, like he hasn't done a podcast interview since 2009. Really? Yeah, and he has Challenge done accepted. Yeah, exactly. And he's done some <laughs> other stuff. And like I said, I don't know if that's just Fantasy Flight, you know, doesn't they handle their PR differently being the fact that they are part of asthma day and, and kind of how all of that works but 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and maybe and like I said, it might be that he has done other interviews and they're just not listed in Board Game Geek because that definitely happens. Um, but yeah, it's just very very interesting about. I just feel like he gets Corey Kaneska gets forgotten about a lot, and it's cool to see him do this retrospect and give very brief stories about the things he's designed. But I definitely am looking forward to the continued work that he does up in the great state of Minnesota. Sure. Yeah, and and if people are curious if they want to check out. The article, uh, it's entitled 14 Years. It's on fantasyflightgames.com uh, under news. And uh, he kind of he gives you a little like um, anecdote about each game, uh, which has some interesting thoughts. Like when he designed Gears of War, the board game, he was working with the guy who ended up creating Fortnite. Which is pretty interesting little tidbit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's all these little things in here that is it's kind of cool to to see some behind the scenes stuff on each of these games. Indeed, all and right. That's all the board game news. Very, very cool. So we'll transition a bit here. Talk a little bit about the world of video games. And Josh, so here's my question for you: You have mm. you have a kid? I do. You know, as your kid gets older. They're going to start wanting to probably be in some activities, maybe sports, but are sports the best place or best direction for your kid to go? Because it seems like maybe playing a little bit of Fortnite might help you uh, retire a little earlier than you were planning to, Josh. Yes, it would seem seem that way. So... Uh... (laughs) But yes, so the Fortnite World Cup Solos Finals happened this past weekend, and the winner, 16-year-old Kyle Buga Giersdorf, took home, oh yes, a little over $3 million for his trouble. Uh, The player who came in second place was named, his screen name is Psalm, I believe, and he won $1.8 million, and I believe he was the oldest competitor in the competition at the age of 24 an old man old man and he did say (laughs) i believe something to the effect of he was happy to take it home for the olds or something (laughs) to that to that or represent the olds well yeah (laughs) indeed so much to do has been i know you probably don't watch the overwatch league or anything as much as i do but overwatch league now is on ESPN, Disney XD, uh, and things like that, on ABC even on occasional weekends. And without fail, when this happens, there are many people on social media who get their pitchforks out and talk about how they can't believe they're showing video games on television and that they want their kids outside playing sports, not sitting at their computers, and this just makes it that much harder. With the success of, you know, 16-year-olds in Fortnite, I think someone who is 13, I think, came in in the top 10. Um, Obviously, the the ability to be successful in these games is definitely geared at younger folks. Do you think it's, as we grow older and society continues to evolve, and it seems like it's happening potentially a little bit already, but do you think there is going to be more of a conflict or a decision that parents and kids start to make about oh i'm going to play Fortnite or oh i'm going to play baseball oh i'm going to do you know yeah. team fortress 2 maybe that's a bad example but <laughs> x other game they're going to put a, try to play you know competitive gears 5 when that drops in a couple months versus oh i'm going to go play basketball do you think this is genuinely going to be a consideration people are start having or do you think 
we're all just everyone's overreacting and getting bent out of shape and traditional sports will continue to be what kids do in the evenings and weekends. Well, competitively, I should competitively, say. Competitively, yeah. You know that saying, history repeats itself, that mm-hmm. everyone believes isn't true. Um, we wouldn't make the same mistakes we made before. This is not uh, – this is just people not um, getting with the times. Does that sound terrible? Um just like kids who wanted to get into film school instead of play baseball or football mm-hmm. or, um, you know, th- th- there's always this pressure from parents to have their kids do what they did or what they want them to do. Right. And that's where the challenge – I think that's just where the challenge comes in. And we're in a new time where technology is like it's never been before and that that's pretty much every year now is technology is where it's never been before but i grew up in the 80s no cell phones uh no internet Mm -hmm. uh you played outside because you were bored inside you know right like there were 25 channels on the tv which was double what my parents would have had six years before i was born um, when the Nintendo came out, there's no save, so you just play it until you're done playing it. Right. You know, um, all these things, it's crazy how much it's changed in so little time compared to where people were, automobile, t- TV, all that kind of stuff. So now it's just people at that age not understanding Fortnite, thinking it's rotting their kids' brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's causing violence because these are all things that we've talked about forever right like the unknown is what people are afraid of and i mean it's kind of it's still kind of crazy that this much money is being put behind esports right in general Mm -hmm. and yes to the long answer to your question is parents are still going to be mad their kids are playing video games and trying to make money because just like (laughs) Uh, you take any of these kids, like local kids here who play baseball, if you take every kid in Massachusetts who plays baseball, mm-hmm. the amount of them that make it to the major leagues is minuscule, and that's no different than esports. Yeah, It's probably even lower in esports because everyone can play video games. You can play video games with asthma. You can play video games with no legs. You can play video games with one arm. Like... Everyone has access to video games, which I think should be embraced, not like used as like derogatory. Right. Like, like everyone can play them. That's great. Everyone's included. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, it's interesting. It's interesting because yeah. it definitely seems to be a young person's game, if you would, and and kind of even more than traditional sports of getting while well, the getting's good. You look at. You know, obviously the only one that I'm I keep up with regularly, the Overwatch League. I believe the oldest player is 29. Yeah. And there's a couple like one 28 year old, a couple 27 year olds, 26 year old, but most of the players are 18 to 24. You know, so it seems like it is the time to get in when you can, and they have because of age restrictions, they have players who are signed who are under 18 that can't play on stage until they turn 18. So they're in their academy teams and all these other things. So it's an interesting thing. And, you know, kind of the idea of you can always go back to school later. Like I, you can go back to school when you're 30, but you're probably not going to be playing <laughs> professional Overwatch or professional CSGO when you're 30. Wait or for the ageism lawsuits. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't they know. Won't let me play Overwatch League because I'm 35. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably just because the, the reaction time's a little delayed. That's what I blame my inability to rank up any higher on is just that I'm old. Has nothing to do with my skill. Man, it's just that we were just talking about Fortnite today at work. I can't. It makes me feel old, and it definitely is. It's a dexterity thing. It's it's a hand eye coordination thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're not as good at video games as we were. 10 years ago or 15 years ago we're just not uh, oh definitely not when i play the newest call of duty every year i realize how far i have fallen and how low my sensitivity is now just because i can't when i whip around too fast i can't stop in time if i'm like on really high sensitivity <laughs> and things so yeah. it's funny because i talk to the people i play overwatch with who are all considerably younger than i am and their sensitivities are so much higher than mine and when i share <laughs> mine they all laugh at me but i am you know about the highest ranked of all of them so that's fine i yes. say it still works <laughs> but anyway so big congratulations then to kyle buga Gearsdorf on his $3 million prize pool. I hope that there's someone helping him out with that money because I know at 16, I probably would not have been responsible with $3 million. Now, granted, he probably is only going to get to take home about half of it. It's after, even less. Is it even less than half? Yeah, because he has to stuff? pay promotions. Uh, uh, there was a 15% of it gets put away. Or he only got fifteen. Does a a bunch of it gets put away because he's under a certain age, and he oh. gets it when he's eighteen. Gotcha. Um, which is good. Um, he'll get a small amount of it, but when they asked him what he wanted, he just said, "Like, what are you gonna buy?" He's like, "I just want a new computer desk." And there I was you like, go. Hey, that's sensible. Don't spend all your money. <laughs> that's right, because you'll spend it all later in life. <laughs> that's for sure. Not bitter about that at all. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Next story. So to the surprise of probably no one, uh, people who play video games can be not very nice to each other. The Anti-Defamation League has released some stats for harassment rates in video games based on a study that they did. And basically they were – players were given the option in a – list of basically harassment or, or ways that they could um, compile a list of which games are most likely to result in harassment from other players, now that I can get those words out, right? Um, and this was based on a survey they did. And according to them, the game that had the most harassment was not surprising to me either. It was Dota 2. <laughs> so it was cited by 79% of respondents as the game mentioned that they were harassed in the most. Uh, the following games all tied at 75%, and none of these are surprising to me. Counter-Strike Global Offensive, PUBG, Overwatch, and League of Legend. And over half the time, these players who were harassed, they were harassed based on their race, religion, ability, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, or ethnicity. So that's a lot. That's a lot of people who are saying they've been harassed. That's some pretty horrible things to be harassed for. But I think even more alarming is that 29% of online gamers or of online game players said they had been doxxed in an online game, which That's I think crazy. is which is, is pretty, <laughs> pretty ridiculous. Now, I'll be honest. I have not had a, a time to fully read through this report by them because I have a lot of questions about how did they do their survey? How did they pick the respondents? All of those things, I think, are, are important to have some context about how this all works. Um 
And uh, like, I know that they did the surveys this year, but like I said, I don't fully know. There was over a thousand respondents that responded to it. I don't know exactly how they got the lists or how they selected the people or any of that stuff. But either way, no matter what, rather than just picking apart the, the process, even if this was, even if these numbers were half of what they are, a quarter of what they are, that's still pretty horrible, right? Yeah, it's terrible. It's just, it's despicable. It's disgusting. It's unacceptable. <laughs> Any, all of those and other adjectives. <laughs> so obviously, Xbox has been pretty out there as far as talking about their desire to reduce the level of toxicity in gaming and trying to ensure that gaming is a, a safe place for everyone. Do you think, you know, when you look at the games that they mentioned, Dota 2, Counter Strike, PUBG, Overwatch, League of Legends. Only two of those are available on their platform, right? Yeah. PUBG and Overwatch. Mo- the you know the League, the Dota Two, Counter Strike, obviously are not things that we're playing on console. Do you think that if you were to look at less competitive multiplayer games, these numbers would be very different compared to these games, which, as a whole, tend to be extremely competitive and extremely dependent on team play other than obviously PUBG you put you play solo unless you're playing in groups you choose there right. but everything else pretty dependent on team play there yeah I don't, uh, I don't know typically I can sympathize with most people but I can't really get in the mindset of the people who are like this right uh, I've only ever encountered it in, in competitive games so I guess I might agree that it, it's probably a higher percentage in competitive games. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you like a cooperative game, you're, you're not trying to alienate or make the person you're playing with quit necessarily. I, I started right. a little bit in destiny too, which I would mm-hmm. argue is uh, like doing a raid is cooperative. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had that happen in destiny too, but, but yeah, for the most part, you're probably right with it. It's probably mostly competitive gaming. Yeah, and again, that doesn't make it okay by any means, and, I, and no. I'm not excusing people who are, would use the excuse that, oh, in the heat of the moment, I said something that I would never actually say. Well, right, but you still said it, and you didn't have to think about it. That's when you got upset, the first words that came out of your mouth probably says something, right? Well, because I- they have these icons, right? These people that they look up to, like mm-hmm. PewDiePie. Right. Uh, who maybe should not be allowed on the internet for the things he said. Um, so when you're when you're letting people uh, not lead by example or not making examples out of, of people who have violated these things or have used derogatory words or mm-hmm. or things like that, um, I mean, maybe you're making some people think it's okay. Yeah, and it's not right. <laughs> and I think. It is important to note that they also did highlight that there are good things that happen in online spaces as well. According to the study, 88% of online players said they had experienced positive social interactions while playing online, and over half have said they made friends while playing online. Yeah, I would that agree they didn't that. know previously. So, obviously, some really good things there still. And, and much like when we talk about social media or anything else, we try to always highlight the positive things that can happen. But we still want to try to get rid of all of those negative things if we can. So not that any of our listeners would be jerks. I'm sure all of our listeners are very, very nice to other players when they play video games online. They better but, be. But if you happen to notice other people being jerks, 
don't worry about don't hesitate to call them out i do it pretty regularly <laughs> uh i've had some really interesting conversations and interactions as a result of that but yeah so anyway people let's be nice to each other let's let's just treat each other a little bit better and if you lose a game it's okay because realistically if you're gonna lose something losing at a video game that you're playing on tuesday night probably a really good time to experience a loss just saying yeah so all right well hey other ways to make money playing video games apex legends does not want to be left out of the crowd and they have revealed their first official tournament which is going to be taking place september 13th to the 15th called the pre-seasonal invitation and the tournament is going to pit 80 teams of three players against one another in a bracketed ter- bracketed tournament for a prize pool of $500,000. This is coming from our friends over at Game Informer. So obviously a little less than the three millions just for first for Fortnite. But Josh, Apex Legends jumping in, EA jumping in with Apex for some esports. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's a game I'm relatively good at, so I'm I'm excited to watch. <laughs> oh, uh, not compete? You're not going to jump in? No, 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 no. I said relatively good at. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> I don't embarrass myself. Uh, no, good for them. I mean, uh, more people should be doing this while they can. Um, uh, and Apex, uh, obviously a favorite of mine. Uh, it's nice, you know, maybe it'll give me more incentive to watch more esports. Maybe that will get me into watching them and maybe that will get other people into watching esports. So good for them. Yeah. I do think the, the level of the prize money is a, a little small when you think about how much they Fortnite just put out. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> they're not making Fortnite money. They aren't quite making Fortnite money, and that is very true. But they're still making EA money, and that's not too bad, I don't think. That's true. So, so yeah. So if you you know maybe aren't the best Fortnite player, start practicing those Apex Legends skills, <laughs> and maybe you too can be part of that five hundred thousand dollar tournament in September. All right, and our kind of final news story, I guess, Josh. If there's one <laughs> thing that I know. It's that you cannot get enough of Ninja, correct? I don't know. I'm not as big of a fan as Kevin Austin is, but close. That's true. Kevin Austin, number one Ninja fan. I think he's probably going to get a Ninja tattoo soon if I had to guess. Yep. Uh, But Ninja coming out with not one, not two. Oh, no. But three books. I thought it was just one. (laughs) No. (laughs) Three books. So... One of them is titled Ninja Get Good, and it, is, <laughs> and it sets out to teach readers how to become unstoppable gamers. You can't teach them that. So, <laughs> and again, <laughs> and again, this is from our friends over at Game Informer. So, yeah, so Ninja Get Good, that is coming out in August, and it will cover topics like setting up a streaming strategy and what kind of equipment you need and all that kind of stuff. That'll make you get good. So that will help you <laughs> get good. Having good green screen. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to that, there is a ninja notebook that is coming out, with which has ninja stickers, pro tips, and prompts to get your mind going, which will also be available oh. in August. And then in December, there's another book called Ninja the most dangerous game. So yeah. this is going to be a graphic novel 
where Ninja receives a mysterious invitation to take part in an impossibly realistic, challenging, and addictive game. So, (laughs) again, thanks to Game Informer for the story. I highly encourage you to go check them out, read the story that they have there, because obviously it's important that they stick around, because we use their stuff from time to time, so please go check them out. But uh, Ninja Books, how excited are you? Who do you think, do you think people who are ninja fans want to read ninja books? I got some ninja books, but they're not um, (laughs) about pro gamers. (laughs) Do they teach you to have like bow staff skills and nunchuck skills? it's mostly about history and (laughs) martial arts. Uh, So those are the ones I think I'll prefer to read. Uh, Do you think this maybe is like five years too late for for a ninja to be putting out books? (laughs) Maybe three years too late. Well, he's getting a little old for esports. I mean, well, I mean, he didn't even <laughs> wasn't even in that uh, Fortnite tournament, so I don't know. It's interesting because he definitely, I think, it's his personality, much like Doctor Disrespect or Tim the Tatman or any of those big, especially Fortnite streamers or Battle Royale streamers. Um, it, it's not necessarily that they're the best players at the game; they're all. typically very good but it's their personalities and the way they interact and their ability to talk to their chat and do all those things that's what really drives them and and causes them to be able to talk to people it's not necessarily about how much do they win right if you look at you know the the best players in again i always go back to my old standby if you look at the best players in overwatch very few of them are the biggest streamers right you know shroud who just started playing Overwatch, but have been streaming other games. I think formerly played CS, uh, formerly played Counter Strike. I think uh, he's you know rocking in, racking in thirty thousand viewers when he's playing Overwatch right now. Whereas people, some of the best Overwatch players are getting five or six hundred that are playing yeah. in the Overwatch League when they stream. So it really just depends. I think it's a lot more about personality and and all those interactions and all that good stuff. But yeah, I I I understand. Ninja is very much a brand, and like we were talking about earlier, at some point, those skills are going to start to diminish a little bit, yeah. and even though he's not winning $3 million at tournaments, he still has to be good enough to be entertaining to his audience and all of those things, and at some point, that stuff's going to start going downhill, so I guess get in while they're getting still good. Yeah, I'm just surprised it's been this long for him to put this stuff. This stuff doesn't surprise me that he's putting it out. Like, I, like I'm just not a fan of it, but, uh, I, it just seems like he's been, <clears throat> he's been popular for so long. It just seems like this would have been out two years ago, like in stores at Barnes and Noble. Right. Like there's Fortnite books everywhere you look. How does he not have stuff out there in those aisles? Very true. Very, very true. I do think it's interesting though, because while Fortnite, still tends to be the top streamed game on Twitch. Teamfight Tactics very often is the number one game right now. Never so, heard of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that game has really kind of taken off and, and is usually in the top five, if not number one. Oddly enough, Grand Theft Auto V is always in the top five, still yeah. pretty consistently on Twitch. But... You know, I'm looking at Twitch right now and the top games. Fortnite's number one. Just Chatting is number two. Yeah. GTA 5 is three. Teamfight Tactics is four. Overwatch is five. Actually ahead of League of Legends, which is six. Apex Legends, Minecraft, Smash Brothers, Counter-Strike. So, you know, most of the games there are 
interestingly enough, mostly pretty old games other than Team Fight Tactics. Um, and maybe Smash Brothers <laughs> and Apex, yeah. I guess. So seven of the ten games are, are well, six of the ten games and one that's not even a game. I, I'm really surprised at how popular just chatting is all the time and all hey, the different stuff they talk. have in there. They do love <laughs> to talk. So granted, number one right now is coverage of the first Democratic debates. So or the CNN Democratic debates. So there you go. I guess that's a worthwhile thing to, for people to be watching. So that's good. Be involved in politics and know what's going on. Nothing wrong with that. But anyway, good luck, Ninja, with your books. I, do, yep. I don't share that sentiment. <laughs> well, I mean, part of me, I, I never really feel bad for people trying to capitalize when they can. That's I, fair. I, I was someone who always kind of defended Ninja because I felt that most people didn't like him just because he was successful. And then he said some dumb things, and then he streamed with PewDiePie. And Those then are the I was reasons done. I don't like him. Yeah, and then I was <laughs> Those done. Things. Uh, yeah, and then I was done. So can't really defend him anymore, but not either here nor there, I guess. So, yes. <laughs> All right, so that's enough for the news. Though I do want to mention, there's a lot of things that I always debate whether we should talk about when we're talking about news, Josh, because... We kind of, for a while, would talk a lot about release dates and all of those things, and then I try to kind of angle things towards a little bit of bigger stories and all of that good stuff, but there's just been a lot of things, you know, Nintendo Switch for Smash Brothers, they announced new fighters, because um, yep. Hero from Dragon Quest is there, Concrete Genie got a release date for a PlayStation, there's been a lot of small little things happening and starting to creep up as of late, so dear listener... If you'd like some of those small little things as well, just let us know. Uh, but otherwise, we figure there's a lot of places you can get that kind of information. So that's why I've been just kind of turning to maybe things that we can have some conversations about. So Yeah, we got some great shows on the Play Some Video Games podcast network that I'm sure we'll cover that. We also had Games of Gold for August announced for Xbox. Yeah. and solid, solid lineup. Yeah, so yeah. But I agree with Kyle. If you guys want us to go over smaller stories, we would love to. So, all right. Well, hey, excuse me. On to the topic of the show. And the day this episode releases is the first day of Gen Con 2019. So if you are a video game person, I guess the best way to describe Gen Con is kind of the E3 of board games. Yep. So easiest way to, to kind of talk about that. But we thought it'd be a good idea to take a look at some of the games we would want to see if we were going to Gen Con. Some of these games might be releasing, some might be demos only, others might be games that are already out, but we just haven't had a chance to see them yet, or they've been in high demand. So this is kind of our definitive list of games that if we were going to Gen Con, we would take time to go see in some capacity. I figured that was the best way to do it because yes. things always change and shipping always changes. And sometimes things are supposed to be for sale, but then they don't end up being. And that just gets way too confusing. So, Josh, as of our recording this podcast, uh, Board Game Geek obviously does their very wonderful Gen Con preview where they list every game that is slated to be at Gen Con and whether it's going to be a demo for sale, kind of what the status of that is. Currently on the list... 633 titles, Josh. Yep. That's a lot. Now, I'm assuming you went through all 633, read about all of them to get down to your list of the things you have most anticipated, right? I did go through all 633 games. Did you really? I did. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> impressive. I went through, I think, the vast majority of them. I don't know if I quite hit all 633 of them, but I feel... 
I guess I could have for- forgotten about one, but I feel pretty good about my list. How many games did you have <laughs> on your final list? I don't have a number for you. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go with, this is going to sound weird when I say it, but I'm going to go with your flow and <laughs> I'm just going to, I have plenty. Okay. We can stop. I'm going to pick them randomly. I have them all open in tabs. The one thing I didn't do was deep dive into them. Okay. Um, I also so Gen Con's weird, right? So uh, they have Kickstarters. Uh, mm-hmm. They have games that are already out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they have uh, games that are in demo phase. Yep. And then they have full on games. So I didn't from my list. I didn't include uh, any game I've already played. Okay. Any game uh, that I have seen in a store. Oh, okay. Already, and I didn't include any Kickstarters that I backed. In my lists. Okay. For my okay. section of games. Um, yeah. That was just kind of how I went through mine. So when I look at my list, definitely I have not seen any of these in stores. Uh, none of these are, this is might be a little bit of a giveaway. None of these are Kickstarters I have backed. Though some of these have had Kickstarters. Though some of these might have be games that are available for pre-order that I pre-ordered. <laughs> yes, I didn't include uh, that game, but... I, oh, there, I there fig- might be more I than one. We would t- yeah, I didn't include those games, but I figured we would talk about them. Uh, right. I figured you would have put them on your list, so I didn't include them. Yes. So, but then I just kind of went through, and I have ten games on my list. I could have had more, but I I tried to whittle it down to what would be ten. So that's where I am at. Okay, and you so. might you I might be able to knock some off with the ones that you talk about too. Okay, and we we probably will have some overlap, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right, so the first game that I put... Oh, before, one last thing. Have you listened, watched, or read any other Gen Con preview, most anticipated, anythings like that? Yes. Okay, do you feel that impacted or affected your list in any way? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it may have made me aware of uh, some games, mm-hmm. but I don't know that... Um, I don't know that I changed my opinion or anything. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, the first game on my list is a game that I've, I had heard about and I kind of knew about, but wasn't something I was super knowledgeable of, but I really enjoy other designs by this person. Uh, and the game is Black Angel, Hmm. which is a game by Sebastian Dujardin. And he has done Trois and Deus and Selenia. So definitely has some very cool games that he has done in the past. But for me, the reason I think this is already out potentially in Europe, but this is maybe in German or other languages. But I think this is the first um, English printing. And this is where board games get super bizarre. I think this is the first English printing of this game. I could be wrong, though. Uh, and why this game is so interesting to me is it is ostensibly a heavy dice rolling game that's very heavy weight. I always really like the idea of rolling dice and then as a result of those rolls, having to try to decide what you're going to do based on what you have available to you. Uh, Very science fiction focused. So it's a game that I might struggle a little bit in getting others to play in my normal game group. But Black Angel, I think is just something that looks really cool. Um, have heard some solid things about, and the designer definitely has done some games I enjoy as well. So that is one that I would definitely take a look for. That is Black Angel. Nice. We go on flip back and forth. Sounds great. Cool. 
Okay, so I have on here uh, a game called Terrors of London. This is by Colossal Games. Um, I'm just going to base... So I'm getting this off of Board Game Geek. I'm assuming you are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but basically, uh, Terrors of London, it's a competitive deck building game uh, with a Victorian horror theme. So the horror theme really grabbed my attention and the art is very impressive. Um, each player uh, is uh, assumes the role of an overlord, uh, each with a unique ability and two unique influence cards. Uh, throughout the game, players, uh, they add monsters from four different factions, beasts, mortals, spirits, and undead to their deck, uh, all of which form hordes uh, for powerful combos. Uh, you also procure marvelous relics, um, which they may Im- uh, immediately use for unique abilities. Uh, and then the first person to reduce the opponent's life to zero, wins the game, and claims the knight. Um, but I, it's a very impressive uh, looking game. It's two players, and it has deck building. Like So those are, all those things appeal to me uh, right away. So I'm interested in checking out uh, Terrors of London. Very cool. All right. The next game on my list is actually a game that... The only reason I initially was interested in it was because of the name. And I saw the name and said, that seems cool because it reminds me of something that was cool in my past life. And then I saw the designer and said, okay, the designer's done some cool stuff. So let's take a look. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about what this game does, about how you play this game, but the game is in the Hall of the Mountain King which, if you're not familiar, is an absolutely stellar, stellar classical piece of music by Ed- Edvard Grieg, if I recall it correctly. So go listen to In the Hall of the Mountain King. Um, but this game has you, from again, from Board Game Geek, you play as trolls rebuilding your abandoned kingdom under the mountain. How cool is that? You play as trolls building up your kingdom. So if you look at the game, it's going to remind you of things like castles of mad king ludwig because you have different um pieces that you put on that are different rooms and you have to create routes and kind of all of these things as you're digging out the tunnels and and getting new um resources and and kind of building out your home again inside the mountain so it looks like number one the art looks very cool i'm a big fan of the art um and like i said the reason i got or this first got me was just because of the name. Cause I was like, Hey, this is a really cool name. Um, but then, yeah, the, just the theme and the idea of playing as those trolls, rebuilding your home inside the mountain. Uh, the designer is Jay Cormier who did junk art. Um, so very cool there. And that is from the publisher burnt Island games. So in the hall of the mountain King, definitely something I would want to go check out. Cool. Speaking of art, the game, the next game I clicked on the mystery tab for is a game I know pretty much nothing about. Uh, I can tell you it is a two player game, which is another, like, you know, obviously gets my attention. It's published by Mondo games. So we talked about it with Rob Davio. I love Mondo's art. Uh, And this game is called fight club, the home game. Okay. Uh, I'm a huge well, not, I shouldn't say I'm a huge fan. I'm a fan of, I'm a big fan of the Fight Club movie. And uh, 
In this game, it's a split personality, competitive deck building game for two players. As the narrator, you are a slave to a retail nesting instinct. Your primary goal is to collect, gain, and build a life of being truly complete. However, you must ignore the voice in your head pulling you in the opposite direction. A voice that is strong and charismatic that will not let you rest until you hit the bottom. But with a little support, a comforting hug, a good cry, and maybe even a solid night's sleep, you might have the power to stop all mischief, mayhem, and soap, as read on the <laughs> description on Board Game Geek. So, one person plays as the collector, and I'm assuming the other player plays as Tyler Durden. <laughs> and I think that concept is super cool, like you're playing against someone else's direct goal. <laughs> while they're trying to achieve it you're like nope nope <laughs> like it sounds really frustrating but fun uh so i'm really interested to see more about this game at gen con um and to see more of the art even the cover looks like great for art the art of the game so so I'm excited. <laughs> i find this is very humorous i didn't know anything about th- this is a game apparently i'd, I'd passed over very quickly um on the on bo- the board game geek page there is one forum post or one forum subject which says why is no one discussing this game and someone's response was the first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club <laughs> that's the best and response I, and, I, ever. and I was like that is excellent that is really really good but hey it's got some card drafting so I'm probably in on this I'm going to have to add that I haven't watched fight club in a long time I need to add that to my backlog time for a rewatch yeah. it is indeed alright so that's Fight Club from Mondo. My next game is a game that we have talked about on the podcast and might maybe have been a game that Josh backed in a Kickstarter. And it is a game published by our good friends from Renegade. And that is Terror Below. Hmm. Did you back? back it. Okay. So Terror Below is the next game on my list. And I think... You know what's really interesting is I just totally forgot the name of that. Oh, there we go. Tremors. If you yeah. ever wanted to play Tremors the game, that's what Terror Below is. Um, if you look at it, it definitely, again, from Board Game Geek, you are is a game of government experience gone wild in the Nevada desert. The faster you move, the more vibrations you make, attracting the attention of the vicious worms underground. If that isn't Tremors, I don't know what is Tremors. So... <laughs> Very cool. The idea, and even if you look at the box art, it 100% looks like Tremors. And I'm very excited to give that a try. The designer, too, and it helps that the designer is Mike Elliott, who has done things like Thunderstone Quest and Shadowrun Crossfire and Quarriors. So he has designed some excellent games, which makes me feel confident that this could also be good. I also like the fact that it's a one to five player game. So it is a thing that you could play it by yourself if you want to. Oddly enough, on Board Game Geek, it says it's best with one. I don't know how that, if that's true or not, <laughs> um, but I always like games that have that one player option just so we can go ahead and do that if we want to. But yeah, it looks cool. The, the art is fun. Uh, Tremors was a cool movie, and I definitely want to be Kevin Bacon. Uh, and just the production of it, the board is a cool shape. It's not your traditional square board. There's just a lot of really neat things about this game, so it would definitely be something I'd want to check out. Terror Below from the folks over at Renegade. My next game I picked for two reasons. One, it's really a game for my wife. Uh, and two, it's from one of my favorite artists, um, 
and board gaming, and that artist is Beth Sobel. Uh, this game is called Calico, mm. and it's by Flat Out Games. Uh, Calico, it's it's a puzzle, uh, puzzly tile-laying game of quilts and cats. And what you're doing is you're selecting a single patch tile from your hand, and you're sewing it into a quilt, and then you will draw more. And if your comp- pattern combinations are attractive to any cats... Uh, they'll come over and curl up on your quilt and you get points at the end of the game for um, buttons, cats, and how well you were able to complete your unique quilt pattern. So it's a little bit of patchwork uh, as well. Uh, so it has that like, kind of feel like patchwork does mm-hmm. um, onto the set board where you're putting these hexagonal like quilt tiles. Uh, it looks really interesting. The art is great and it's one to four players. Uh, pretty light and weight, and uh, it seems like it would be, uh, you know, just a fun game to sit down with the wife and give her a break from all these uh, heavy thematic games I'm throwing at her that she has no interest in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it looked. I had not. I mean, I had I had saw this game in passing while going through it, um, and I didn't maybe give it as much time as I should have. It definitely looks really beautiful. The art is great. So that is awesome. Is this going to Kickstarter or was it already on Kickstarter? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Okay. I And I, the only reason I ask is I think this is Flat Out Games' first game. Yeah, it looks like it's their first game. So I'm wondering. But anyway, that might not be here or there. But Calico, there you go. Looks great. So this next game that I picked is really odd because the reason I picked it is not because of what this game is, but because of what this game could eventually be a part of. Okay. (laughs) So, which is a horrible, horrible way to put this. But the game, because this is the game that's going to be at Gen Con, is Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated Upper Management Pack. You know, I got to stop you, and you can keep going. But I told you, like, I didn't know if this was announced. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when I realized it was the Acquisitions Incorporated and it wasn't just Clank Legacy, I was like super let down. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. So Clank Legacy is going to be a thing. Okay. okay. So there is going to be just a Clank Legacy game. However, th- from what I understand in reading about this, this expansion will be able to play with Clank or with Clank Legacy. Uh... So you can buy this now. To play with your current Clank game, but when Clank Legacy comes out, this will also work with it, I think. So if that's all wrong, my apologies, but in reading, that's kind of what I came up with. So the reason I picked this, though, is because the idea of Clank Legacy to me seems really awesome. Clank is a game we've definitely talked about on the podcast, a game that I really enjoy and honestly, now that I think about it, need to play more because I think if I played it more, it might wiggle its way into my top 10 games of all time. I just really enjoy the going down into the dungeon, that risk of like, how deep can I go? The card drafting that goes with it and kind of all of those things, the press your luck aspect of of seeing, can I outsmart my opponents? How is this all going to work? I just love Clank as a game. So the idea of having a legacy version of that where you keep the treasures you find and then maybe the parts of the mine collapse or things change or whatever might happen is really exciting to me. So this expansion, though not a standalone game and you do have to have Clank in order to play it. The idea of 
having a Clank Legacy down the road um, is really exciting to me. So I am picking Clank Legacy from the good folks at Renegade and Direwolf Digital, mostly because I I'm picking this expansion mostly because of what it means for the future, not necessarily because of this expansion. But I really like Clank too, so I probably would still get this expansion. Nice. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. I thought for sure when I looked at that, I was like, oh no, it's just Acquisitions Incorporated. So, because I, I was, we talked about it and I was really excited for Clank Legacy also. Yeah, because I think the legacy version is called Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah. Is just what the legacy version of it is. So, this other part, then, like I said, is just an expansion. The upper management pack is the expansion. And I believe it can be played with the legacy version gotcha. or the current version of Clank. Cool. Good, good. Well, I also look forward to that. Uh, my next game is a game I've actually been waiting for for about a year uh, when it was announced. Uh, it's by Pegasus Spiel or Spiel. Uh, it's called Crown of Imara. And uh, one to four players, it's a little bit higher in the uh, wait and time to play. Uh, it, it really uh, simply just caught my attention because uh, it has a unique um, two board setup when you play the game. It reminded me of the game Majesty that my wife and I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a very beautiful looking game. Um, it's resource management. Um, I don't know too much ab more about it. Um, you, so it combines card actions with work and movement. Uh, I already, I already messed that up at the beginning. It allows players to play in their turns during their downtime, which I like. Um, and you move in separate roundabouts, uh, requiring players to optimize every move. Additionally, two scoring tracks lead to multi-dimensional play style as only the lower score counts toward victory, and thus both tracks have to be advanced equally. So it really changes the way you uh, are, are uh, advancing in, in points and victory points. And uh, from everything I've heard about the game, it's very, like, people seem to love it. It's it's only at a 7.4 uh, on BoardGameGeek, um, but I've, I've heard higher praise from people so right i'm just really looking forward to getting my hands on it um i tried to order it someone told me i could order it on uh, from like amazon.eu mm -hmm. and it was like double the price of the game for shipping so oh jeez. Like, i guess i just have to wait till it comes to the u.s <laughs> so i'm excited for it to come over uh and debut debut at gen con and and hopefully be able to buy it shortly after that very cool so my next game is a game that has been talked about by a lot of podcasts and things, and that's not necessarily the reason I'm interested in it. It just fits into a game style that I'm excited about because I'm always looking for lighter, easier to bring games that I can play with family on holidays or with friends at lunch or even just, you know, as something to start up or wind down our game nights. Uh, and that game is Point Salad. So this is coming from AEG. And this game, like I said, has been getting a lot of uh, attention on from reviewers and things and some very high praise. But essentially what it is, is a card drafting game and there's over 100 different ways to score points. And you may have heard us talk about 
Steffenfeld games and things like that as quote unquote point salad games where you get points for doing everything in this you are really trying to decide what type of vegetables you want to build (laughs) your salad with so it literally is building a point salad so for me as someone who really enjoys lighter drafting games like sushi go and things like that this just seems like a really another cool way to do it it plays two to six players which is also great for me because at most family gatherings six is where we're going to be at so having that game available is awesome but also having something that i can just sit down and play with the partner is great so point salad from aeg like i said lightweight card drafting game that is probably gonna be good for the whole family really looking forward to picking this one up down the road very cool speaking of six my next game is sinister six uh by spin masters uh obviously licensed by marvel uh i believe it's best described as a heist game uh you play action cards to fulfill the need uh needed skills in the heist you playing as the sinister six uh which actually gives you more than six uh you can uh play as uh, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Venom, Sandman, Mysterio, Vulture, Craven the Hunter, Electro, Rhino, and Lizard. So you get the <laughs> Sinister Six plus. Uh, and yeah, you're trying to get the best loot, uh, or you can play black market cards, snatch the loot before everyone else. Uh, and, you know, they put teammates in quotes uh, because really you can play as teammates, but it's a competitive game where you're trying to outscore and outloot your opponents uh it looks interesting i wouldn't go out the art is really nice in the cards i wouldn't say uh, the components are cool but they look small and plasticky i wouldn't say they're uh, gonna blow you away so i'm gonna guess the game is gonna be relatively affordable but I they haven't announced a price yet for it yeah, yeah, I had looked at this game and the only thing that kept me from jumping in or or putting this on my list was the fact that it's a minimum of three players. Yeah, three to six players, yep. Three and three player games always for better or for worse, always are a bit of a trip up for me. So a game though that is not three players is only minimum of two, but maximum of four. And a game that we have talked about on this podcast with a guest, that is Machi Koro Legacy. Mm. A big fan of Machi Koro, played the base game and the expansions more times than I can probably count. This is one of those games that does come home, like I was talking about before, to family events and to holidays and all this good stuff. So taking the time to sit down and play Machi Koro Legacy is something I'm really looking forward to. Rob Davio. I think obviously he's a great designer and I have really enjoyed the legacy games he's done in the past and looking for a new legacy game to hopefully bust out over the Thanksgiving holiday. And I think this one is probably going to be the one it does come out. I think at the end of August here. So right around the corner for when we actually be able to get the hands on it. And I think obviously going to see a, a legacy game at a convention might potentially be a little spoilery, but this is a game I'm very excited about. I definitely would want to check more out about. Um, and this is coming from the folks over at Pandasaurus. If you have not played regular Machi Koro, I highly recommend it. Um, and if you have, I think, you know, keeping an eye on Machi Koro Legacy would be an excellent idea. Hmm. I'm very excited for that as well. I just watched a review on Dice Tower for it. Was it a positive review? It was very positive. Excellent. Oh, yes. yeah, look at that. Machi Koro Legacy review with Tom Vassell. 
Yes, yes. Uh, my next game will be very quick and short and sweet. It's one to five players. It's by Upper Deck Entertainment. It is called Legendary, a James Bond deck building game, which I've been waiting for uh, also <laughs> for a year because it, it kind of sort of came out last year. And then they re- realized they misprinted like every version of the game with the Marvel logos on the cards. Uh, so some people actually own some copies of this game with the Marvel logo on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been, this is a great way for me to get back into legendary without feeling confused, having not played the Marvel legendary in so long, mm-hmm. having like so many expansions and then, and then having so many expansions I haven't bought since I, you know, started playing it. This is like one of those fresh start games. Um, uh, Firefly is still on my list. Legendary, I still haven't picked that up. Right. Um, but I think James Bond has a little bit more of a uh, maybe a wider appeal to to game groups, so it might be easier to get that out than Firefly. So yeah, Legendary James Bond deck building game. I'm just kind of excited to to see it and play it. But <laughs> to see and play the actual real version of it. The real version. <laughs> yes. All right, the next game on my list is another game that we have talked about, kind of, not this particular version, but we have talked about the original version of it, and this game is a game I have ordered, I will hopefully be getting at the end of the month, and that is Century Golem Edition Eastern Mountains. Yes. Uh, Josh obviously has turned me on to Century Golem Edition a lot, and I have raved and raved about that game, and obviously that's part of the century trilogy the eastern wonders trilogy if you would um so this then is taking that second game that went from century spice road to century eastern wonders now we're going from century golem edition to century golem edition eastern mountains so again just kind of same gameplay just being reskinned and and given the the go- the golem love if you would and you take the role again as crystal traders but now you're out exploring the Carvania, I think is what they call it. The Carvania Mountain Ranges. So really excited and looking forward to this. Obviously, the feedback on Eastern Wonders is very, very positive. People seem to like that game. And this game seems to be, I'm hoping, just that game again, but with a fancier, schmancier art, cool crystals, all of that good stuff. So Century Golem Edition, very much looking forward to that hitting my door very, very soon. Yes, that was one of the games that I decided I wasn't going to include, <laughs> but it's a no-brainer. Uh, so I'm glad you included it. Uh, this next game for me is a re-implementation of a game that I have never played, but I've always wanted to, based on hype. Uh, this is Catan Starfarers, uh, which is actually being published by Cosmos, which is kind of crazy. Uh but we, you know, uh, this is a game that, uh, so uh, it's re-implementation of uh, K- uh, the Starfarers of Catan. And basically it's Catan in space, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. I've, I've been told it's one of the most popular versions of Catan. Um, I've always wanted to play it. I actually enjoy Star Trek Catan very much. So I, I'm interested in playing uh, the theme Uh Catan Starfarers, it's a new version, uh, included, uh, sorry, originally released in 99, was Starfarers of Catan. Um, this version contains uh, completely revised graphics and game materials, revised rules, 
and apparently most importantly, a variable game board that brings even more variety to the exploration of space. So I'm really uh, excited to see this game, and I hope it sells me on buying it. Yeah, this game almost made my list, but just missed it. And I am very interested because, yeah, I never got to play the original either, but I always wanted to. So I will definitely be keeping a close eye on how that game goes. So, all right, as my list begins to wind down here, this next game is a game that I'm interested in mostly because the designer of it is someone who their skill and talent really just kind of floors me in everything they're able to do. And that game is Sleeping Gods Mm. by Ryan Lockett and Red Raven Games. Ryan Lockett basically does everything for his games, including the art. And typically, that's a horrible idea for people. But Ryan Lockett (laughs) is really skilled designer, really skilled artist, and his games uh, are, are pretty spectacular overall, looking and playing. So if you're not familiar, he has done Near and Far, Above and Below, Islebound, uh, Empires of the Void. And he's done a lot of really eight-minute Empire, I think, was him as well. He's done some really quite stellar games in, as far as design and art goes. Uh, but in this, it is a cooperative game, which I'm also excited about as well. And according to Board Game Geek and Sleeping Gods, you and a friend become Captain Sophie Odessa and her crew. Lost in a strange world in 1929 on your steamship, the Manticore. You must work together to survive, exploring exotic islands, meeting new characters, and seeking out totems of the gods so that you can return home. So it is a campaign game, which is, again, kind of, you know, the story of my life and this type of games (laughs) I like to play these days. Campaign, legacy, all of this style of stuff. Um, but I'm really excited to see kind of what Ryan Lockett does with this. The game is beautiful. Uh, looking at the the um, pictures of it that are out there currently, uh, definitely something I am very excited about because Ryan does pretty solid job with everything he touches. I do think it's funny on Board Game Geek the playtime says 60 to 840 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that is Sleeping Gods, designed by Ryan Lockett, published by Red Raven Games. Awesome. Uh, my next game is uh, published by AEG. Uh, it's designed by John Clare, and it's called Gigos First Continent. Uh, this is a game that I've been kind of sort of following for a little bit since AEG kind of announced their plan to do less games with more focus towards quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gameplay in uh, Ecos uh, is simultaneous. So each round, one player reveals element tokens from the element bag, giving all players the opportunity to complete a card from their tableau and shape the continent to their own purpose. Uh, elements that cannot be used uh, can be converted into energy cubes or additional cards, um, and they can be added to your tableau to give you greater options as the game evolves. It sounds like uh, um, kind of how Tiny Towns works. Mm-hmm. which uh, I enjoyed, and I liked the theme for this. Um, not too much more is known about the game. I really like the art style. that You can only really see the back of the box. Um, but it, it looks interesting, and I like the idea of like the continent building and, and just kind of world building in general. Um, so I'm excited to hear more about it. And it's yeah. two to six players, 45 minutes. Yeah. Ish. And John... 
John Clare is just a designer that I'm so interested in because Mystic Veil is amazing. I have Edge of Darkness, which I haven't started yet, but I have it. But, you know, that space based custom heroes, he just does really cool things. So this, again, is a game that since I was like, I'm only going to do 10, this game <laughs> barely got cut from my list. Okay, down to my last two. My um, ninth one, I guess these are technically in no particular order, but this is going to have me being a complete shill, and I totally understand that, and I'm totally fine with that, because this game is God of War, the card game. <laughs> I almost included that one. Did you? Okay, <laughs> so I'm really interested in exactly what this game is going to be, um, and they are, I think they are just demoing it, if I recall, while they're there from the folks over at Come On or Simon or Cool Mini or Not, <laughs> however you want to know them best. Um but yeah, so I'm really excited. This is a card game based off of, you know, the recent PlayStation 4 exclusive, a game that I enjoyed very, very much. Um, the designers are folks who have done some games in the past, but none of them have, you know, been smash hits, if you would. So I'm kind of interested to see how all of that works out. But yeah, you know, come on, doing some licensed games. They did some stuff with Bloodborne and, and it's gone pretty well, it seems. So definitely interested to see how they implement God of War. Uh, into a card game and the fact that it's cooperative means that I can get my partner to play it as well. So definitely looking forward to God of War, the card game. Nice. Well, this game that I have here really plays to direct. It speaks directly to me. Uh, it's by greater than games. Mm -hmm. It's called home brewers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, not only is it a pretty stunning looking game just by the table presence, it's very unique looking. Um, it's an engine building game and dice trading game. Uh, your dice represent the actions you can take, such as buying ingredients, uh, participating in monthly events, adding flavors to your recipes, and brewing beer. Uh, it's like the beer version of viticulture, it sounds like, uh, with dice, which... <laughs> he sounds even better. <laughs> it's played over eight months, which is eight rounds. Uh, each month you meet with the homebrewing club uh, one weekend, which is the trade phase. And then you take action on, uh, take actions um, the other weekends. Uh, you craft your own beer recipes in four categories. You have ales, porters, stouts, and IPAs. Uh, so people will know what I'm going to do every game. So maybe I'll have to change up my drinking preferences. <laughs> um you gain reputation uh, by moving up the quality tracks, uh, the four beer categories, um, and by and, and to win medals at like Summerfest, Oktoberfest, and then also by crafting your recipes to meet uh, particular tastes of a panel of judges at Oktoberfest. Um, it sounds really cool. Um, it's a big game. Like there's been a few small um, like. Um, beer or brewer games mm -hmm. um and this was uh um uh, this is the big one that i've been waiting to really check out so uh looks really cool and greater than games is a fantastic publisher so uh i'm interested to see uh what this game can be yeah and you know matthew o'malley designed between two cities which is obviously a really solid game so very interested to see how this turns out did you ever play what was the name brew crafters was that the yeah i didn't play that one okay i'm just wondering if this is how obviously in comparison if this what this is like i feel like brew crafters was really heavy though if i recall i think but it I is heavy yeah so all right so last game on my list you know no gen con preview list for me would be incomplete without a plaid hat game on it 
So I did have to put a plaid hat game on it, and I wanted to put multiple plaid hat games on it. If I'm honest, I probably could have put three on there, but I chose to only put one just to keep the list to 10. And the one I'm choosing to put on is Aftermath from designer Jerry Hawthorne, published by plaid hat. This is another game that is going to be in their adventure book game. So it has the book where you're kind of flipping through it and the book becomes the bag, the board game or the board for the game. Excuse me. Stuff fables was the first one. Uh, Comanauts was the second game of that. Uh, and now aftermath being the third one in it, Jerry Hawthorne, obviously an awesome designer does really good at designing things with small animals. And he is back to that again. So very excited <laughs> to kind of see how this, story plays out what this is all about um really big fan of the things plaid hat does really big fan of this system um, and in this game you play as a misfit band of critters known by their colony as providers there's the guinea pig with anger issues a hamster that talks fast and drives faster a mouse with keen eyes and a lot to prove and a mysterious vole who's borderline feral these ca- characters each have their own personalities play styles and personal goals and then you actually play through pl- 20 plus story driven missions and side missions so definitely something i'm looking forward to playing through with stuff fables being done uh looking for the next kind of game to potentially scratch that itch and aftermath looks like it could be the one to do that cool that's the 95 dollar game right i (laughs) i think it may be yes yeah yeah i was excited for that game (laughs) i still am excited for that game i just will never be able to afford it uh, unfortunately um so i (laughs) I have this. So, do you have more? That was your last one? That was the last one that I had on my list of 10. Yes. I mean, I can okay. come up with more if you want me to. Or you well, can I'll run just, through. I'll do this last game, and then I'll do the... I have a couple honorable mentions that I'll, okay. just, I'll just name. No, go uh, for it. So, this game, uh, it's it's a Prospero Hall game. Uh, it's I think it's probably a Target Timed exclusive. Uh, it, this is a hashtag Donnie game. This is called Horrified. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or if our listeners are. Uh, it's one to five players. It, it, I think it kind of sort of plays on that Jaws theme. Um, in the game, you come face to face with all of the seven uh, universal movie monsters. Um, and you have to work together to rid the town uh, of the maniacal or misunderstood creatures before it's too late. Uh, includes high quality sculpted miniatures, Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dracula, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, and The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, According to the publisher, it's innovative, easy-to-learn, cooperative gameplay as players working together against the monsters uh, with varying levels of difficulty. Uh, Just as each monster is unique, they require different strategies and tactics to be defeated, but you're literally trying to stop them from, like, killing villagers and like going crazy over town the board looks uh very cool it reminds me of like old school board games um the components look great the card quality looks awesome for the monsters um i'm just really uh interested in in checking it out and playing this uh having been a fan of like the movie monsters growing up absolutely and just a quick clarification um Aftermath is $85. Oh, okay. That's, I can get it now. So, <laughs> just saying, it's important to be accurate in our reporting. Yes, it is 100% important to be accurate, especially if we want 
Colin to come back on. I don't want to be peace marching plat hat games. Uh, real quick, just to name the couple I have left. Uh, King Domino Duel uh, mm. is on my list um, just because uh, it makes me think of Seven Wonders Duel. It might not even be nearly as good. Um, Bosk by Floodgate Games, just because I'm such a fan of Floodgate Games. Uh, there's a game called Until Daylight, which was a Kickstarter I did not back that I regret not backing uh, because it's three to six players. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a uh, zombie sar- like post-apocalyptic survival game that the art really caught my attention. Uh, it's by Flyos Games, F-L-Y-O-S. Um, so if you get a chance to, to peek at it, cooperative uh, survival card game. Uh Metal Gear Solid, the board game. Uh, how could I not include that? I uh, can't wait to learn more about this game. Uh, speaking so, of expensive games. <laughs> speaking of, yeah. So I'm going to pause you really quick right there. Yeah. We did get a question from Splig on Twitter about, are we going to get more info on Metal Gear? Have they said if they're talking about anything else about the game at Gen Con? Is it going to be available to demo? Do we know any of that? What's it listed as? Uh, I don't know what it was listed as. Okay. Uh, it doesn't show it. I don't see it here because I'm just on the actual page for it. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. I'm not on the um, I'll take the a Gen look. Con one. I, it's got to be playable there, right? I I hope so. It's got to be. Because they are still shooting for uh, winter, right? For December. Yeah. At least it says availability says demo. Yeah. So, so there'll be something. It's probably going to be a prototype, I bet. Um. I can't imagine how much they have to go through to get this game done. Right. Um, Unmatched is on my list. We talked about it with Rob Davio. I'm very excited about this game. I, I'll be getting it um, regardless. So I don't really need to see really anything about it at Gen Con, but it would be mm-hmm. something I would check out if I was there. Yep. Um, the Shards of Infinity expansion, Shadows of Salvation, oh, yeah. premieres at Gen Con and adds cooperative story mode to the game uh, with an actual narrative. So I'm really uh, excited to to see what that is. Uh, it has a branching story. Um, so that sounds awesome to me. <laughs> and then uh, both Harry Potter games, actually. Um, Voldemort Rising less. Uh, more defense against the dark arts. I just kind of want to see more about it. Mm-hmm. Two-player game. Um, published by the OP, uh, low weight. So maybe my wife and I can actually get through this one instead of <laughs> Hogwarts battle, which we still haven't finished. Um, but I'm interested to see more about that. That's the end of my honorable mentions. Well, that is a pretty good list of games. And I think the most interesting thing is there was no crossover. Well, I would have included uh, Eastern Mountains. Right. But so yeah. one, one crossover one, one out crossover. of well over 20 games <laughs> that shows the how many riches there are when it comes to Gen Con and all the games you can play and check out and all of those wonderful things. So uh, I kind of inserted the question from Splig into the show. So we got our listener questions taken care of. So, you know, we're just going to kind of keep the show rolling here and move on. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but anytime we end our show, we want to leave you with a recommendation, suggestion, or thing we're into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Obviously, this isn't going to be something game-related typically, but just something else we are currently enjoying. Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners? Well, 
my recommendation is The Boys on Prime, Amazon Prime Video. I just put Prime Video. I should have put Amazon. Uh, the Boys is a show I've been looking forward to for a long time, uh, having read the comic uh, back in the day. Um, I don't... It's definitely not for everyone. It is definitely a violent show. Um... The premise is we live in a world full of superheroes. They're very common. However, they're also starring in their own films. So like Iron Man would actually be Iron Man. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, Robert Downey Jr. Um, And there is what you would probably call the equivalent of the Justice League or the Avengers. They're called the Seven. Um, These are like... The seven strongest or, you know, most marketable superheroes at the time. And uh, you learn through the process. Uh, you lo- you live this show through a normal human being character named Huey. <clears throat> and you kind of learn through the course of this show that, you know, these superheroes are not necessarily heroes. They're called, they're called soups in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there definitely are some non-superhero soups, but they don't go as far as being labeled as supervillains because they're not out there robbing banks or scheming to take out Captain America. They are Captain America, and they're just doing bad things. And the boys is a group of people who seek to stop them from doing bad things in their own special way mm-hmm. without trying without trying to not spoil anything about the show. Right, right, right. Um, I finished it the other night. It's eight episodes. They're about, they're, I think they're an hour each. Uh, very bingeable. Um, it's produced by Seth Rogen. So if you were like a fan of the Preacher series, uh, this is very similar in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It was just, I loved every second of it. It was very well done. It's funny. Uh, there's a lot of drama. There's great character development. Um, it, I would argue it has some hyper-violence. Uh, <laughs> and it has some strong themes. There's actually a lot of more political themes than I thought. So there's a lot of social commentary in the show as well. So uh, it gets the highest of recommendations from me. It's one of my favorites I've uh, favorite things i've seen this year very cool very cool that is something that is definitely on my short to watch list but i just have not gotten around to it yet so i i decided i had to get back on point and and start talking (laughs) about the things that i usually talk about uh and my recommendation this week is a documentary but it is a documentary about a game and that documentary is called alpha go it is on netflix And you may remember back in 2016, there was some big news made because a AI had beaten a human in the game of Go. And not any normal human, an 18-time world champion in the game of Go. So AlphaGo is about, I think it's called Google's DeepMind technology or however you want to look at it but basically it's about the ai that they created to teach how to play the game go and if you're not familiar with go it is a very ancient chinese board game i think it's often called the the oldest continuously played board game in the world and 
the game is very, very simple. Uh, there are to play in the sense that there are a number of horizontal lines and a number of vertical lines. And on your turn, one player has white pieces. The other player has black pieces. On your turn, you pick up your piece. You place it at the intersection of two of those lines. And it's the other person's turn. That's literally all you do is you pick up a piece, place it at the intersection of two lines. But there are more board configurations than there are atoms in the universe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Go is a very, very challenging game. And, and it is a game that, you know, when basically when um, they created the computer that beat Kasparov in chess, basically what they did is they programmed a whole bunch of ways to play chess is what they did but there's so many ways to play go that they couldn't do that that they actually had to create an artificial intelligence that could teach itself how to play the game and if you want to watch a documentary that is very interesting number one and how they talk about how they created the artificial intelligence how why this is so important that is very very interesting but to see, and I don't think this is too much of a spoiler because it was in the news about how these games went, but it was a best of five series. And Lee Sadol, who was the world champion that they were playing, didn't do as well as he thought he was going to do. And there is a part in the documentary that they're filming and they're filming Lee as he's playing. And you can just see in him the moment he realizes everything is going wrong. Like you can literally see what appears to be someone going through that moment of questioning everything they've done, everything they thought and everything that this might mean for the future. You can visibly see it on his face. And it's one of the most powerful moments I've seen in a documentary, not from a standpoint of, Oh, this was a big deal as far as, you know, humanity or anything like that. But just seeing someone have that realization of nothing is the way I thought it was and everything is going to be different in the future was a really cool thing to kind of experience and see so well done in the documentary. So I highly recommend it uh, if you are a fan of just documentaries in general, even if you don't care about the game, go. Um, This is a really, really well done documentary. So I highly recommend it. That's AlphaGo on Netflix. Nice. All right, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? What a great idea. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at BoardWithVG, you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoardWithVG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to send us an email at BoardWithVG at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag BoardWithVG. So please... Feel free to use that hashtag as well and let us know what you what's going on, what you're up to, what games you're playing. We'd love to see those pictures. Uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. Uh, that is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, at why so serious that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s just let me just give me a message uh i don't know hi i listened to the show or bananas just so i know it's a human (laughs) not a bot uh kaya where can they find you 
So you can find me at all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Metafall is right around the corner, so be on the lookout for that and be prepared to enter to win some fabulous prizes. But until then, remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.